0: The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk about the Bucs. Big week ahead of them. They have mashups with the Nets and the Sixers. We're going to break that down, talk about how much it matters, how much it might not. They also play the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. It is a playoff run, I guess, starting for your Milwaukee Bucks. We will then dive into Mike Florio's broken brain and talk about his tweets about Shannon Sullivan and being a traitor and just Florio going off the rails yet again. And lastly, we'll talk about getting hit in the face. I have stories. Um, Will Smith, I'm sure you saw it, slapped uh, Chris Rock tonight in one of the craziest Oscar moments. One of the craziest things I've witnessed on live TV. I have some stories in my day about getting hit in the face. I've... Done some hitting in the face as well. Not great, not proud of it. But I got if I'm going to tell one side, I got to tell the other side too. So we'll do all of that in today's Monday Daily Tap. Before we get started, I uh, just want to let you know we are on social media. You could have basically seen me going crazy about this Will Smith slap on Twitter, Tabbing the Keg, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram. We had a really fun uh, college stuff. Uh, for Elite Eight, a bunch of different college pictures of different former Bucks players. Uh, It was really fun actually breaking that down. Should do more of that. The response was really good. We'll definitely uh, try to incorporate shit like that more and more. Uh, Also on TikTok, tapping the keg sports there too. Uh, Been lagging on that, but we'll be back, don't worry. Tapping the keg sports also on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe, podcast, you know the deal. You know how that goes. Um, if you're already subscribed, make sure you're rating and reviewing. I'd really appreciate that. Um, also, if you're not subscribed, if you're new to the program, joining us for the first time, welcome. Hopefully, we want you'll want to subscribe after listening to us. Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks. Smoky Bucks did not have a good weekend. They got blown out by the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think there's anything worth talking about in that game, honestly. I I don't think it's any which any game to really like shine a light on because the Bucks didn't play well. Memphis really kind of dominated Milwaukee from the start. I think the Bucks missed the golden opportunity to take over that one seed, but who knows if the Bucks want the one seed or not. I think the idea of having the discussion about where the bucks should be seated right now is completely useless. It is something that I don't want to talk about really for the next week and a half because the next week and a half is going to decide everything. And the bucks have a loaded schedule. They have a schedule where I think everybody is going to be playing and you could argue that the playoffs start now for the Milwaukee Bucks. That the playoffs do not start in the middle of april they start tomorrow against philadelphia like that to me is the start of the playoffs against philadelphia in philly rabid crowd will be fired up to welcome their sixers back who've been on a long west coast road trip that ended on a sour note losing to the suns and kind of again the sixers looking poor against a top tier team can the sixers step up in their home gym and deliver a message against the milwaukee bucks as the two teams battle for the one seed that is what's to be unknown then the Bucks go to Brooklyn and they face off against the the Nets in a game where the Bucks are going to see Kyrie and KD for the first time all season so they will get a first-hand look at it the gym probably again will be fired up but just because the Nets have Kyrie doesn't absolve a lot of their problems that they have in terms of stopping anybody on the perimeter so that then leads to L.A. and Dallas, which are two West Western opponents, but they are playoff teams. I don't think the West Western Conference teams matter as much in terms of tiebreakers and everything else, but they're still worth a footnote. Then it's Chicago, and then it's Boston, and then actually it's Cleveland uh, to finish off the season. I think there is a Detroit game worked in there, but you basically see how the playoffs start On Tuesday. Tuesday is the start of the playoffs. Oh, they have a Detroit game before the Cleveland game to clean that up. Boston's their last home game uh, next Thursday, April the 7th. So the Bucs really have a very important stretch. Now, some might say, all right, well, are the Bucs going to rest their guys? Are the Bucs going to sit their guys? I think what the Bucs did in the last three to four days was make sure that everybody kind of got a reprieve. Giannis got two nights off. Chris Middleton, got two nights off. Drew Holiday, got a breather. I think they want everybody to be fully ramped up for what is the start of the playoffs. Because I do think that the Bucs want the one seed. I don't need to go over what I talked about on Friday's podcast, but I, I do think there is an importance to having home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs. And if it's at your grasp, why not go out and fucking get it? Now, Boston is playing out of their world. Boston looks like the best team in basketball. It's fucking crazy that the Celtics have gotten to this point. They were 23 and 24 at one point. Now they're the one seed in the East. Like, I'm not sure how we got here. I'm not sure how everybody is worried about the Celtics team. It will Is it sustainable for the playoffs? Mitch and I are kind of gonna go over, you know, who you wanna face in the playoffs, kind of an annual thing that Mitch and I have done throughout the years, but i think with the celtics it's really a fascinating story and so it's going to be a measuring test for the celtics and they've passed a lot of those tests. They went into golden state and Steph got hurt that game but they went into golden state, beat their ass. Minnesota who's been playing pretty well, they kicked the living shit out of tonight at granted at home but still like they were up by like 20 25 points. It wasn't it wasn't even a close affair. So the Bucks are going to be challenged in these next two weeks and that is great. I think there is something inherently good about not coasting into the playoffs, not getting comfortable. This is an uncomfortable time and it, it, like if the Bucks end up losing I don't know. Let's just say out of the next 6 games they go four they go 2 and 4. And am I going to overreact and say, "Well, I'm now worried about the Bucks?" No. No, I'm not at all, because, again, it's regular season shit. It doesn't necessarily matter as much as when you get to the playoffs. I don't think the Bucs are going to take a dive. The famous story, as it goes, is that the Bucs could have avoided the Miami Heat. The Bucs could have easily avoided the Miami Heat last year. All the Bucs players wanted to play against Chicago, who at that point was playing for nothing because they didn't even have a first-round draft pick. And the Bucs blew their asses out. They got the three seed. They faced the Miami Heat. Now the Bucs could have got the four, I think, right? I think that's how it goes. They would have got the four. And if they got the four, they would have had to play the Atlanta Hawks in the first round, which is fascinating to look back on. And then they would add Philly. And then probably they have Brooklyn in in the conference finals. And who knows where this all goes. That's a great, like, what if. But the Bucks basically said, we're not afraid of fucking Miami. Just because they beat us last year doesn't mean an ounce of shit. Now, I do think there is another what if to the what if if Chris Middleton doesn't hit a shot in overtime, are we, you know, where are we with the whole Bucks legacy? I said at the time, that was the start of the championship DVD and that was proven to be right. So I don't think the Bucks are going to try to dodge anybody. I If their path is Brooklyn philadelphia boston so fucking be it it's going to be a gauntlet right but some some team is going to get the easier break which could be facing chicago could be facing cleveland could be facing charlotte even now charlotte to me is an interesting one only because i don't necessarily think charlotte's a team you want to face in the first round Charlotte's a team that can push you. Do I think Charlotte could beat somebody in a, a seven-game series? No. Could I see Charlotte forcing six or seven games against like a Philadelphia or against, say, a Miami team? Absolutely. I totally could see that. But I don't necessarily see them weigh it. Toronto kind of feel the same way. They're so well-coached. They're not good this year. Don't get me wrong. They're not very good, but they're very well-coached. So again, you have that issue with Toronto. So with the Bucs starting against the Philadelphia 76ers, they, you know, split the season series with Philly. And that, to me, is, you know, something relatively meaningless at this point because in the first game, they didn't have MB. The Bucs pretty much took care of business from the start in that one. Then in the next game, it was the day before the All-Star break, Philadelphia was kind of rolling. The Bucs were kind of late. That was sort of a lazy period for Milwaukee. They gave up 123 points in that game. Philly didn't have Harden. Now Philly has Harden. Now they're kind of at their last sort of final boss level. To me, this is where Milwaukee would want to send a message. Milwaukee would want to send a message that we are the best team in basketball. The Bucs also have Brooke Lopez. This is the first game that the Bucs had lost with no, they haven't lost with Brook Lopez and everybody playing. I was going to say, oh, no, but they lost to Minnesota. Brook Lopez was playing. So they have Brook Lopez to throw it and Ibaka did not play against Memphis. He had an illness as well. It was non-COVID. So I'll be curious to see if Ibaka can go on on Tuesday. It would be a big blow if Ibaka can't. I actually don't think you're going to see a lot of Bobby Portis minutes against Philadelphia because I think they're going to throw Embiid's going to be thrown on Lopez and Ibaka and a little bit of Giannis. And I think that's kind of how they're going to rotate. And we'll see what they do to guard Giannis. We'll also probably have Drew on James Harden, which you've seen in the past. I think also you'll rotate Chris Middleton. Uh, you know, Mike Boonehoser has really been fantastic against James Harden in his career. Mike Boonehoser's defense has made James Harden's career hell. There are multiple examples of this. Go look at the game logs. Against Houston and Milwaukee, when Harden played there, he made it really difficult on James Harden, and I think you'll just see more of the same with what the Bucks are going to do. So there will obviously be takes from that one, and and we'll kind of we'll obviously talk about it on Tuesday night, and then you have Thursday evening against the Brooklyn Nets. Now the Nets are going to be fully stacked with Kyrie with KD. They looked great against Miami. They sent an absolute message to the Heat who are floundering right now. The Heat are definitely, out of those four teams, Brooklyn, or I'm sorry, Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Miami, Miami clearly right now looks the worst. The fight that happened earlier this week looks like a little bit more than just the everyday sort of skirmish, if you will. There's no back to back. These two teams are going to face Mono Mono. Brooklyn faces the Scrappy Pistons at home on the 29th. And then they face Milwaukee before heading out to Atlanta, Houston, New York, Cleveland, Indiana. Pretty easy schedule there for the Nets to finish off the year. It's not unreasonable to think the Nets can't be the seven. I know they're in a nine right now, which is absolutely absurd. But I, I don't expect them to be the nine when, when the dust is settled. But you never know. The NBA right now is crazy. The Lakers might miss the fucking playoffs, which is absolutely absurd. I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around the idea of the Lakers missing the playoffs. So that said, about the nine seed and about Brooklyn, this game matters so much more than the Nets. Like if we were we were weighing out what matters more to the Nets and Buc- if the Bucks you chose Philadelphia or Brooklyn and you're like which one matters more it's it's Philadelphia hundred times over because you're battling for seeding, and then you win the tiebreaker this is a rubber match whoever wins this one gets that tiebreaker over the other the game against the Nets is frankly kind of meaningless it, it, it's. It means something for Bucks fans because there's a section of Bucks fans that are scared to play Brooklyn in the playoffs, which are ju- is just pussy behavior. It really is. It's so fucking soft. Like, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. I thought we like got over this. Like we already beat these assholes in a playoff series. Why the fuck are you scared against a team who cannot stop a fucking sneeze? They're one of the worst defensive basketball teams out there. I realize that Kevin Durant is a fucking killer. I realize that Kevin Durant could put up 50 points against us every night, but guess what? You can shut down everything else. I famously watched Luke Harangody go off against Marquette. He had like 42 points. It was incredible, but guess what? Notre Dame ended up losing by double digits because Marquette shut down everybody else. Buzz Williams' game plan was let Luke Harangody get his and we're gonna shut down everybody else. It can be done, even in the NBA. So I don't wanna hear everybody being like, oh, I'm scared of Brooklyn. What the fuck? It's such loser mentality for a fan base that just won an NBA title. Obviously, I had to get that off my chest. But yeah, it, that game matters more than nets. It doesn't really matter too much to the Bucks. I think the Bulls game, even a couple, you know, a week later, that's gonna matter a lot more to Milwaukee. Or, I'm sorry, a lot more to Chicago. Uh, that that Chicago has to try to see if they can figure out how to beat the Bucks because they have failed all three times this year and gotten embarrassed. Really, in a couple of them, uh, the Bucks have definitely done the damn thing against against the Bulls these la- these last three games, and they have a chance to do it again on next Tuesday night, where again Bulls fans will boo Grayson Allen and it'll be the whole thing and yada yada. But yeah, it's not it's it's going to be another hopefully Bucks cakewalk and then you have boston and that one again matters more to milwaukee so if you're really breaking down what games matter to the bucks it's philadelphia and boston those are the games that i really think that bucks fans should pay close attention to because to me that those games matter so much more those games matter because they are for seeding if the bucks come out flat in those games if the bucks do not play well in those games Again, I will probably try to keep an even keel. But there's a part of me that's going to be a little concerned. It's like, all right, you just lost your tiebreaker with the Sixers. I think the Bucs don't even have the tiebreaker with the with the Celtics because I think the Celtics have beat the Bucs twice, if I'm not mistaken, which is a rough look for us. Okay, they would tie because the Bucs won the last game against, against Boston. That was 1, 117 to 113. That was the... That was in December. Oh, it was. Oh, it was Christmas. Fuck. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that was the that was that Christmas Day comeback for the Bucks, where it looked like the Celtics were gonna win, and then the Bucks stormed all the way back to beat Boston and win that game. That's right. That was a very dramatic game, and that was the only Bucks win so far against Boston, who got them twice uh, in in Beantown. So Milwaukee has a chance to split. And if you split, then you go off division record and then that's how the tiebreaker goes. So that game will be really important for Milwaukee. So those are the two that you should really hone in on. If you're like, what games should matter? It's those. But I still think the calling card of the playoffs start now is important. And I think that's what the rest for the last week and a half now Now, more weeks, that's a little dramatic. The last week is indicative of. It's to say, we are getting ready to start these playoffs and we're ready to either take the one seed or at least make a case for why we are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Let's see if the Bucs can do it. All right, moving on to Mike Florio and his broken brain. I realized I was gonna talk about Keston Hero, by the way. And I completely forgot. So I apologize to those baseball fans out there. Uh, We'll do some baseball on Tuesday, I promise you. So that'll be something maybe here or we'll do some sort of baseball, some little fun little baseball preview topic or something like that. Uh, Because I think it's definitely worth talking about what the Brewers are doing so far, even as we try not to get too excited about spring training. Okay, Mike Florio. Mike Florio had a tweet middle of like Saturday. And I understand that Florio is always on. Florio never never logs off. The guy will tweet about anything and everything. It's rare that you don't see Mike Florio's name pop up on your Twitter feed. And you somewhere ask, Charlie, why do you follow Mike Florio? You don't really like Mike Florio. That is accurate. I'm not a huge Florio guy. I think he's very good on part of my take. I think that he kind of has a good relationship with those guys and seems pretty normal. And then his Twitter persona does not match what you hear on that podcast. I would be fascinated to talk with Mike. Like I, Mike would never do a podcast with me because I have tweets upon tweets ripping him, nor would I ask. I know better, all right? But if I like, if I saw him at a bar, right, in, in Green Bay, let's say I was at Badger State Brewing and Florio's there. And I, I just strike up a conversation with him. I I, I bet it actually be probably pretty civil. I bet it'd be pretty nice. And because that's just kind of what I think he is. Like I think he tries to flex his muscles on Twitter and act like he is the patron saint of fucking NFL media. He just isn't. So on Saturday night, he wrote this article about Channing Sullivan getting called a traitor by Packer fans. There is no tweet. That says and Sullivan was called a traitor. This was Channon Sullivan telling a Vikings beat writer that he was called a traitor, or to describe himself, people will probably think that I am a traitor. That those are the words used by Channon Sullivan. Here's the thing: anytime you're a player goes to a rival, you're gonna be a little upset, you're gonna be a little annoyed, and you're you maybe won't call him a traitor. Um, those are, that word's usually saved for big name guys. That would be like Brett Favre going to the Vikings, right? That would be like Giannis Antetokounmpo going to the Miami Heat. Not that he ever will, but that would be at this point considered a treacherous, a traitor move. Kevin Durant going to the the Golden State Warriors, a traitor move. Albert Pujols in his prime, uh, top of mind as he just signed with the Cardinals, uh, going to the Chicago Cubs. That is a traitor move. Prince Fielder, there was a conversation about him potentially one of the Cubs back in the day. Traitor move, okay? Those are what you use the word traitor for. Now, should you use traitor? Probably not. In the player empowerment era, we're all so fucking soft. Everybody's bunch of pussies and so it's like seems like you're like well why don't you empower him yada yada, jerk off jerk off you know what can't you just be fans like sometimes it's fun to just call somebody a traitor and somebody you know whatever man a mercenary whatever however you want to say it okay and uh, so to call chan sullivan a traitor means you care way too much about packer football because who gives a fuck about chan sullivan chan sullivan was Arguably, an average cornerback at for his time with Green Bay. Some could say he was below average. Channon Sullivan does not matter in the grand scheme of things. Channon Sullivan is a speck in terms of the 53-man roster for the Green Bay Packers. And you might say, Charlie, that's a little bit disrespectful. But I'm sorry, like no one is st- sitting up at night. I didn't do an emergency podcast. I'm not doing TikTok videos or Instagram videos being like tapping the keg, Chan and Sullivan review. He goes to the Vikings, what a fucking trader. Nobody's doing that because it doesn't matter that much. It's not that important. So Mike Florio blowing it out of proportion is just another example of Mike needing to touch the fucking grass and log off for once in a while. I understand that there are moments like Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris Rock for reasons why you never log off because somehow, some way, you can get an amazing Twitter night out of it. But still, this is one where Florio should have kept it cocked. And why he decided to write a whole article about this and multiple tweets and defend everything was because Chandon went to the Minnesota Vikings. For those who are not in on the secret, but you probably know already, Mike Florio is a Vikings fan. Mike Florio wrote this fan fiction, weird fucking article about what if the Vikings actually had gone to the Super Bowl when they got blown out 45 to 7 by Case Keenum, or uh, Case Keenum got his team blown out 45 to 7 by the Philadelphia Eagles. And he wrote this whole big piece about it and it was very bizarre. Mike Florio also had a tweet and I couldn't find it, but basically admonishing those who are fanboys of their teams. Yet that is what Mike Florio does, yet he doesn't admit to being a Vikings fan. Only in selective time periods, okay? And so I cannot look at this and say, this is coming from a fan. I don't care, right? I'm a fan. I react sometimes when my guys get you know, disrespected or they get slighted. Like, of course I'm going to have their back. Of course I'm going to, you know, try to have something for the people and go, go to war for them. But going to war for a guy like and Sullivan feels so fucking weird. And it feels like Mike Florio knows where his bread is buttered. He knows that he can get a rise out of Packer fans. So I think what we have to do is I think we have to commit to not tweeting at Florio For the rest of maybe the year. Maybe at least until the draft. I think if you're going to engage with Florio's content. It's a screenshot. And then you put it as your own. And that's it. Because you do not want to give him the satisfaction. Of him seeing the numbers and the clicks coming through. Do not let him win. He wants this out of all of us. And it's garbage. And that's kind of what he's going to continue to do until, I don't know, until the end of time, right? I was going to say until he's satisfied, but I don't know if he'll ever be satisfied. The guy's job is to push page views. And that's what Mike Florio thinks he can do by continually triggering Packer fans. So yeah, it was garbage and it just stripped my trigger, obviously. And I apologize to Shannon Sullivan for saying no one cares about him, but I'm sorry. The, The truth is... No one cares about you, man. Best of luck in Minnesota. You're just yet another long list of guys who go to the rivals to try to basically emulate what the Packers did. The Bears now have two, the Vikings have two. The Lions are falling way behind. They need a couple more to kind of add to their mix as well to sort of bring that Packer culture into the rest of the NFC North. They've tried for years. It never really fucking works. Moving on to Chuck's Corner. Chuck's Corner, if you're unfamiliar, is the time of the podcast where we just shoot the shit. So we're hanging out at a bar, like I said about Florio. Like we're just having a beer, talking about stuff, talking about what's going on in life. Uh, we had the worst Elite aid ever. Uh, I was looking at it and I think it's a legit claim. I was looking at like the last 10 years and it was bad. I'm sad to see St. Peter's go. St. Peter's got so bad that I took a nap. Like, I I was like, okay, I am just going to take a late afternoon nap. It's probably why I'm, like, really up right now and it's, like, past midnight. Because I took, like, an hour and 15-minute, hour and 30-minute nap. Like, I was like, I'm out. Like, I, I went into bed. My girlfriend, or my girlfriend, my wife, was was reading in bed. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to hit the hay here and uh, just sleep it off for a little bit. I wasn't even hungover. Like... We had a few beers. We went out to Jack's, which that's another Chuck's Quarter story for another time. My God, Jack's, we got to work on, on their bar TVs. I, I'm a little more forgiving, but if John Taffer saw what was going on in there, he would have been fucking disgusted. It was just, it was a weird, weird night, whatever. But anyways, I got doghouse for the first time in forever, but whatever. It's We don't need to get into that. Because what we're here to talk about is Will Smith. And Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. I was watching live with my wife, uh, who, by the way, did not say she wanted to watch the Oscars. Weird thing about me, I fucking love award shows. I absolutely adore award shows. They're some of my favorite things to watch. I don't know why. I just really get into them. I think because they're usually, or they have been in the past, awesome Twitter nights. Because everybody's telling jokes. Everybody's flying off having fun you're it's just i don't know it for a a stretch of time there was nothing better than awards night twitter then it kind of because maybe it got too political or you know some of the movies weren't necessarily things everybody had seen or i think grammys always plays because you get all the performances and everybody kind of knows who everybody is grammys wise and the grammys are next sunday think about how the grammys have to top this so I just like watching the Oscars. So we're watching and whatever, we're enjoying it, just hanging out on the couch. And Chris Rock tells a G.I. Jane joke to Jada Pickett-Smith. And I laughed out loud. I was like, it's actually pretty funny. I think I was even ready to tweet, like, why didn't we have Chris Rock just host this thing? This was Chris Rock definitely knows what he's doing. You guys know the story. I don't really need to describe it. But then Will Smith slapped. Like, we were just stunned. Like our instant reaction was like, holy shit, is this real? Is this fake? Where I'm like rushing to Twitter, like I, I I rewound it, which I usually never do. I was like, oh my god, like what what just happened? And then you get the unedited version from uh, Japan TV and Australian, and you're like, nope, this is fucking real. And Will Smith got extremely mad at Chris Rock. And then basically did not apologize to Chris Rock after the fact. He gave this very unhinged speech about just being a vessel of love and caring about everybody and being this family man. Even though his kids have kind of went off the deep end in their own right. Even as Will has an open marriage where he's watched his wife have sex with people. Um, It was just, it was bizarre. And as someone who likes Will Smith... Um, I haven't watched a lot of Will Smith movies recently. I will say that my Will Smith uh, filmography is a little bit behind, which a quick aside, my wife unveiled that she hasn't seen Independence Day, Bad Boys, or Hitch. I almost felt like walking out of the bar on Saturday when she told me that. And I I, like, just stunning admission because all three movies are great. All three movies are all time for me. Probably, I would say that's, what would be my fourth for Mount Rushmore Will Smith movies? <sighs> I think you just put the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which isn't a movie. It's fucking cheating, but that's fine. It's my podcast. Uh, that's probably your four. And I, honestly, I'm probably missing one and you guys are probably getting mad at me. But that probably is my Will Smith Mount Rushmore. This whole thing happens and I you just immediately think about the times you've gotten hit in the face. I don't know. if I feel like you should probably have a story getting hit in the face. Like the Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan before they get hit in the face. I do think you need to get hit in the face at one point in your life just to know how it feels. So you don't do it to somebody and you don't administer it back. I've gotten hit in the face two times. Uh, one time it was at the old Joe Cats, So before Joe Cats expanded, uh, for the youngsters out there, Joe Cats used to be really fucking small. It was one story. It was really tight. Uh, they definitely would violate fire code multiple times. So elbows to assholes in there. You couldn't really move. So at the time, me and a buddy were talking to some girls. I was single. Let the record show. Uh, and we were basically talking to them and I elbowed a dude accidentally. Like, again, I'm a big guy. You know, it's hard for me to move around in a crowded bar like that. He goes, hey, you do it again, we're gonna have a problem. And I was like, dude, I didn't fucking mean it. Like, and it's the end of the night. It's like 1, 1.30, whatever. And... I must have done it again I don't know Less than 10 minutes later And he like Open palm Like slapped me In the side of the cheek <laughs> Kind of Honestly Kind of similar to what Will Smith did Like he kind of hit me And I was like Whoa 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 And I got mad at him And then you know My, my buddy kind of pulled me back And his buddies did And I was like Get the fuck out of here And he did And the guy The Jack At that time The Joe Cats uh, Manager Buys me a shot It's all good I, that was after. So the other time I got hit was really in a similar period, where I was walking home at the bar with my roommate at the time. Again, we were talking to talking with a girl. Neither of us landed her. Um, we were having buzzies, uh, as one does when they walk home uh, from their from the Eau Claire establishments. And we're talking, and we're kind of just jawing back and forth at each other. Like it's clear, like I don't really even know how it started. I don't even know why it started. But we kind of just start drawing. And my roommate has a little bit of a short temper. And my roommate tried to trip me. I didn't fall, which is shocking. If you know me, I usually fall. He tries to trip me. I don't trip. I stay on my feet. I'm like, what the fuck? And then he punches me right in the face. It fucking hurt. I was really upset. Was yelling at him, called him a monster. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I went off. He realized right away. He's like, fuck shit, sorry. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking talk to you. Like, get the fuck away from me. Like, I'm going to stay with our, like, neighbors who, you know, I, I, and so whatever. And I, there was a little bit of time to cool down before we got back to our house. And then we talked it out. We had a conversation, whatever went to bed at like four o'clock. We solved our problems. He apologized. We got Culver's the next day. My face still hurt. I ended up having like bruising. Like I could see like yellowing. I'm like, I looked like I was like a kid with jaundice or something like that. Like it was bad, but you move on again. You apologize. Now earlier in that year, I, I also ran into somebody. I was, well, I didn't really punch anybody. I just basically like did like a bull rush and I hit somebody in the face. One of my good friends, because I was pissed off about something, a relationship had gone awry. I was in a really bad spot. I was in a really just rough time in my life. Uh, definitely a rock bottom moment, not gonna lie. And yeah, I hit a friend in the face, and you know he forgave me and whatever. You know you move on. What's this all to say? Is that you are gonna get hit if you're young. And you're, you haven't got it in the face. You might get it in the face sometime. If you're older like me, like this happened when I was 23 and 24. So it's weird that all this stuff happened in 23 and 24. And then it really never happened again. And it's probably a really good thing, right? That it never happened again. Because that probably speaks a lot to you're not getting into a ton of fights. You're not getting into a ton of altercations and things like that. And if you're already in your thirties and you're listening to this, you're probably not gonna get into a bar fight. You're probably not gonna get into a fight with your friends because at this point in your life, you become much more mature and you understand how to sort of diffuse yourself or work yourself out of those situations. But getting him in the face is something that I feel like everybody sort of needs to feel a little bit. Chris Rock getting hit and just standing there and then reading his speech after showed me he was a guy who got hit in the face a couple times. He knows what it's like. Because he just stood there, took it, didn't didn't retaliate, just stood up there, got it, and was like, fuck. this!" You know, I just got bitch slapped, basically. I just got slapped. The sh- or Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. It was a completely unhinged move by Will Smith. You could argue it was that joke too far, maybe. All right, LP show sucks, right? But at the same time, he's a comedian. Tell jokes. He wasn't going to die like Judd Apatow said. But I I will just leave you with this to get a little more serious to finish off the podcast. I was at church on Sunday. You're like, oh, great. You're going to bring in some God shit. I'm like, yeah, a little bit. I go to church maybe once a month uh, here or there just to, you know, I feel like that's, good enough time with God besides the normal, normal everyday thing. But what we, I heard in a homily today was talking about how we can't be fueled by appetite, the, the need of wanting more, and just always wanting, wanting, and needing, and, and wants and needs. We can't be fueled by that. We also can't be fueled by anger, and we can't, necessarily let anger sort of guide us and be always upset and always mad. Like, I feel like that's what Will Smith did. I look at that and I'm like, that's an angry guy. It's a guy who's unhappy. Even in the biggest day of his fucking life, the guy's winning an Oscar. The guy knows he's going to win an Oscar. And yet he is so mad at people taking jokes about his wife who had sex with people while they were married, and he let it go, and she told him about it. That's a man fueled by anger. And the last part is that we need to practice agape, which is a Greek word, and it means love everybody. It means love unconditionally. Love without I love you because it's I you just love everyone. And need more of that. And we did not necessarily see any sort of agape at the Oscars on Sunday. So hopefully that didn't sound too preachy to you. I hope you guys are like, oh, great. Now you're going to just invoke God during, during these podcasts. I hope that doesn't seem. But I felt like it was really kind of kind of fit, right? And I'm not trying to even get on my high horse here. I'm just like, it's one of those things that was shocking. It still is shocking. The takes are out of control. I mean, they are just all over the fucking place. The John Abadale that Will Smith could have killed. Uh, Chris Rock is absolutely ridiculous. The idea that Will Smith deserves to defend his wife. Look, my wife. Who told, she told me this before she went to bed tonight. My wife said, "Don't ever slap anybody in person in in public in defense of me." She would be so embarrassed. I I she I can't even tell you. You know, it's something that let's let's learn from this, all right? And let's learn that, you know what? We're gonna get made fun of, but there are ways you can you can be better about it. You know, Will Smith could have laughed at that joke and then got up on when he gets the Oscars and say, Well, you know, Chris Rock can make jokes about my wife, my family, whatever, but he doesn't have one of these. It's all I got to say. It's a mic drop. It's like, oh shit. It's too bad, you know? And I'm sorry I got serious there. I don't know. I don't know why I, I brought that up, but I, I felt like it was it was necessary. So I guess what I'll end the podcast and end, and start your week off with is just be good to one another, man. Just love one another. Practice that agape. Show unconditional love. Don't be fueled by appetite. Don't be fuel, fueled by anger and just love everyone as much as you can even the ones that piss you off i love mike florio okay even though mike florio pisses me off i love him just love everybody (laughs) i don't i don't love mike florio whatever whatever come on all right that does it for today's show have a great day back tomorrow see you bye